anything can happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can get something taken from you that doesn't mean sh- anyways. You know what I'm saying? It's just a car. So it's just like, for me, if I was to break down during that moment, I feel like I would have been defeated. And it was like, around this time, you can't defeat me. You know what I'm saying? I don't have anything to really give anyways. The only thing if I was to lose around that time and it would hurt me and I would cry was that damn camera. Hey everybody, my name is Omar Issa and welcome to our first episode of Culture Study. When the idea to start a podcast for Tailored Heritage first came up, we knew exactly who was going to be our first guest on the show and we're thrilled to have Adrian Walker. Adrian is an extremely well-respected photographer and mixed media artist who we've actually grown pretty close to since he moved to Oakland in 2016. In this episode, Adrian gives us an intimate look at his journey, beginning with his upbringing in St. Louis. He shares personal memories with us, many of which are tied to his everlasting connection to his late mother, who passed away when he was only 10 years of age. He also shares moments from his career as a professional photographer, like his first big break as the photographer for Lupe Fiasco and Stali, and also the unexpected international attention he received after documenting the 2015 protests in Ferguson, Missouri. He also touches on his latest work, Black Women Over Breathing, and of course his most important work of all, which is his beautiful baby girl, Emery Onyx Walker. And I wanted to give a special congratulations to Adrian and his wife Morgan on the birth of this beautiful human being. I wouldn't be surprised in 10 or 15 years from now if this young prodigy was on the Culture Study podcast. Anyways, I really do hope you guys enjoy this episode. I'm always open to feedback, so if you have any suggestions at all, please uh, DM us at Tailored Heritage. Um, that's our Instagram. You can also email me, umar at tailoredheritage.com. And I really would appreciate any feedback or insight or even questions that you guys would want to ask. But yeah, thank you guys so much for the support. Please do subscribe to this podcast on the Apple Podcast app um, and soon to be on other platforms as well. I hope you enjoy and thank you very much. I uh, just wanted to get into to just personal life real quick. You got some big things going on. Mm-hmm. Becoming a father soon. Yep. How, what's three weeks. It? Yeah, three weeks away. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? What's going Ooh, through your head right I now? I mean, everything. It's all the emotions, so. You, I'm you, gonna get doodled on or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's everything though. It's like a new, it's a new stepping stone, a huge one. What's life been like for the past like almost nine months? I mean, still going to work, making sure um, my wife is in a, a good place in her head, but it's nothing I can truly do body wise because I'm not carrying a baby. So that's like the sucky part when it comes down to pregnancy because there's only so much you can do. So. It's it's not fun, but at the same time, it's great. It's yeah. a glorious thing, but the process is insane. You're you're obviously working at Visco. Tell me a little bit about that. Right now, I'm a commu- in community marketing, um, so I work close with like brand marketing team, and we basically work with different brands and collaborate with uh, different people uh, throughout like the community basis. Um, right now, I'm um, working on the. Well, I, I can't really talk about what I'm working on, but like, I can't talk about it. I'm working on like this new program. It's like kind of like a brand ambassadors program. And I can't give the name out just yet, but like, it's that's what I'm working on personally. But at the same time, I'm like finding time to cram things in, like 
we're going to talk about this later, I'm sure, but like black women over breathing orders and right. patch, packaging up that stuff. Um, let's talk about your uh, your upbringing a little bit. You were born and raised in North St. Louis. Yep. North St. Louis area called JVL, Jeff Vandaloo. Really small neighborhood, small community, but it was like packed with a lot of heart. Kind of set the scene, like who was around you, who'd you grow up mm-hmm. around and what was life like and yeah. kind of the culture around there? Um, life was, you know, it was survival for a lot of folks that were in the streets and stuff like that, of course. But I wasn't like necessarily in the streets. I was more so like just going outside, doing like kids stuff and then going in the house. But I was like really aff- affiliated with like a lot of every with everybody. So like the drug dealers, the bangers, or the the hoopers, just the normal regular kids. Everybody just seeing everyone as an individual. So it's like really no separation, especially with me, you know, because I like was into a lot of things. So I, at one point in my life, I wanted to be a scientist. So I'm like the only kid in the hood with like a microscope and a telescope and something like that, and like cutting up bugs opening them up and looking at inside and all that type of stuff. So I'm like this kid on the other side with these things. So it's looked at like either he has like some, he's really fortunate, you know, or he's just like smart of just both, you know. Um, but I didn't get looked at as like a geek or nothing like that. I, I would go outside and play basketball with him or we played this game called Killer Man. It's like football. And so it is football. So you throw the football up. It's like rugby. It's a hood rugby. That's what it is. You throw the football up. You catch it. Whoever catches, you got to run either way <laughs> to the goal. And you just get tackled, like tackled like hell. No, no pads, nothing. You get the ball knocked out or you get knocked down. You got to throw the ball up and somebody else got to catch it. Uh-huh. And then you go run to the opposite side. So did you like, did you hold your ground pretty well? I was good because I was the smallest uh-huh. or whatever. So it was like Mighty Mouse. So it was just like kind of timing the ball to come down and then jump it up, grabbing it and just sprinting off as fast as you can. So that was pretty much me or whatever. But it was, it was cool. It was a fun game. I think I, that violent. plus the imagery <laughs> of you having a telescope in the hood, I think those are two right. be- beautiful images that yeah. popped into my head. That's that's cool. It sounds like some moonlight. Don't it? Yeah, right? <laughs> You're on your way. <laughs> um, okay, talk about uh, family life. Like who was around you, who influenced mm-hmm. you, and even, even close friends. Family. Um, I was in a household with my mother up until she passed away. I was like 10 years old. Um, my sister, so it was my sister, my, I'm the youngest of is seven of us, seven of us. So I'm, I'm like the baby, baby. Everybody else was like 20 years older than me. Um, so it's like, yeah, it was like, I was like that last little person right. <laughs> that eased up out of there. And so I was around them mostly, but other than that, that's, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all my family. My dad, my brother, my nephew grew up in a household with us also. Did you, did you feel like you were like you had multiple parents almost in a sense because everybody was so much older than you? Mm, yeah, you can say that. Yeah. Like more so like skills from like I don't cook. I can't cook. I can not want to sit up and say I can't. I just don't enjoy it because I feel like I suck. <laughs> but seeing my sister do that and having like an idea of like cooking, she was that one. Um, my brother was an artist. He drew and stuff like that. Um, I I don't draw, but I do photography. And I know we're going to talk about that too. But he was the artist. All of the, everybody draws in my family except me. I'm wow. the only one that don't draw. Like literally, my I didn't know my dad, he drew. My nephew draws. Um, why do you think that is? I don't know. I don't know why I never like tried to like try it. I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of silly or whatever. It's just like I never sat down and just like tried it out. 
I wish I did. But the more and more I see art in different ways, and just more so just vivid imaginations. I don't know if you saw a homie Cameron uh, recent post, but Cameron just painted some amazing. This morning. It's pretty yeah. as hell, right? Beautiful. I, mean, I saw him starting it and I left the house. This was like two weeks ago. And not knowing like what it was going to be, I wasn't judging it, but it looked like he wasn't really doing anything. And then like when you see him hung up, you're like, damn boy, like beautiful. What the hell you on? You know what I'm saying? No, it was was amazing. Actually, it was so pretty, right? I saw his post today and I commented. I was like, man, this is amazing. I think everybody commented. I'm like, dude, you like up to something, bro. Like you about to get in trouble. Like you about to hit you up and you about to just quit getting all this attention real quick but it was really nice shout out to Cameron yeah right (laughs) um tell me about uh your parents and and their influence on you what what was what were their lives like so I'm gonna start off with my I start off my dad because I have like I don't have as much to say about him as compared to what I have to say about my mom and no shade to my dad but it's just like you know my mother was like that person in my life that I felt that I took a lot from away from even though she died at an early age so as far as like life game stuff it's like from her my dad he taught me like life game stuff too he's around but it's just more so like my dad was more so hard when it came down to things so he would practice his love and giving you things you know and like awarding you with stuff rather than just like a normal pat on the shoulder or rub the head moment i'm proud of you type thing and that's saying he never said it I'm pretty, I know he said it before. He just said it in a different way. So he's still around and we're we're cool. We are cool. We don't have like a bad relationship or nothing like that. My mom, on the other hand, was just, I feel like she was just like a person where, um, even though she's gone like physically, like her body is not here, but it's just seemed like she's always been here and she's just super duper like, this amazing one, but I feel like I always wonder, like, if she was here, what would I be? You know what I'm saying? Or would she be with me? I feel like I would bring my mom everywhere I would go. It's crazy. And uh, especially getting older and, like, realizing, like, that she isn't around. Like, if she was around, like, what would I be doing? Where would I be at? I know, like, my my baby will be t- super duper taken care of because she'll be around. Like, I'd be like, hey, mom, you don't have to work. And I wouldn't like necessarily say put you to work as far as to take care of my kid because I'm going to be around. But I feel like she would like just automatically be that person. Like she would want to be around this baby. She'd be so proud or she is so proud that it's like her baby is having a baby. So I feel like it's almost like I'm doubling up on love, like from the love that she would give my kid. That's the same love that I'm going to give her. So it's like her love coming through me, coming out of me to my kid. Right. And that's what it feels like. Um when I think about her, if she would be around. So I'm like, dang, that's like insane. Like, I wonder, it's like, you know, I wonder if she can visit me real quick. You know what I'm saying? Hold yeah. this moment down real quick and see how it would be. So that's like how I think about my mother. And I and that's like a lot I just said about my mom, considering she hasn't been around for years and my dad is there. But, you know, being a, you, you know, come on, man, your mama, bro. Like, yeah, that's interesting too, because I think on a personal note, as I've grown up, I've, I've seen differences between my mom and my dad. Like mm-hmm. I've been fortunate enough to see them both still alive, right? Mm-hmm. But I've just seen the difference in in dedication and in drive and commitment and love and passion. And just to see like 
you know, when I turned 21, my parents separated and just to see one of them decline, which was my father mm. and to see my mom just like prosper. Mm-hmm. It was amazing to me. Mm-hmm. And it was it was kind of surreal and also very unfortunate. Right. And I have love for both of them. But I definitely can relate. And I think this is something that the guys and I talk about all the time is is how our mothers drive us and, and kind of you can see how much like love they've given us and, and opportunity they've given us to succeed. And so mm-hmm. I think that's something that pushes all of us. Right. And I mean, just for you to, to say that your mom passed when you were 10, right? Mm-hmm. For you to still have that love is pretty amazing. Right. I was going to ask more about, I guess, kind of how you found your footing in, in art, right? Mm-hmm. You said you said everybody around you kind of drew. Yeah, everybody um, was drawing. What, like what was it that, or I guess, when did you pick up a camera and how did that even happen? So back in my like growing up in the north city you know i'm always seeing things happen uh hearing things happen and it was like i didn't like i said i didn't really necessarily have like a rough childhood but i seen a lot of things that the typical kid didn't see you know what i'm saying uh like i mean i saw my first this may be like a little much i saw my first dead body on the ground when i was like like 10 i mean like 11 or 12 i think like saw it like the body i just saw the body on the ground you know i said from a gunshot wounds i'm gunshot to the head like in the ear you know and i was like went through the crowd it's like a damn movie like going through a crowd of people and then them surround the body you go you so small you can just fit through the legs and just go look and see it that was me i saw it like coming from a carnival you know so it's like Seeing things like that and then like looking at photographers like uh, Ouija, this is photographer, W-E-E-G-E-E, and uh, he would go around and he would photograph like these crazy scenes before the police would even get there. He had a, uh, he had one of those police radios in his car and he would get to the scene with his camera and photograph the bodies and stuff like that way before the police would get there and stuff like that, or like the ambulance, the morgue or whatever. And it was just like crazy. And like, he pretty much got hired to be this photographer. And that's what I thought about when I saw it. Like, now that I know about photography and looking at photography, I'm like, dang, you know, if I would have had a camera like Ouija, I could have cap- captured it. Not saying I would have, but still. Um, what else? Um, just crazy things like being around, um, like the hood homies and stuff like that. They in the gangway doing dog fights and stuff like that. I saw that growing up, you know, and I never, I didn't, I don't condone that stuff, but as a kid, I didn't know the level of, I didn't know how violent it really was until I got older and then start seeing people that's like going to jail for that type of stuff. I was like, damn, these cats could have went to jail for killing dogs or like having them F up one another. You know right. what I'm saying? And we used to watch that stuff where they bet money on pit bulls fighting each other. So I saw that growing up. I saw friends get locked up. I you know friends were passed away. But then, like, you get to the good things where I'm seeing, like, people graduating, people going to different schools, people want to celebrate uh, family reunions reunions and stuff like that. I didn't go to my, fa- my first family reunion until I was, like, in middle school, I think. And that was on my daddy's side. I don't even think I've never been to a family reunion on my mom's side, you know, ever. So like just moments basically is what I'm getting to. I didn't know if I wanted to be a photographer, but I knew I wanted to capture these moments and sometimes like some somehow freeze these scenes or these times. So I was like, dang, I, I need something to be able to do that. Uh, there is a thing called a camera. 
And it was, I think in high school, it was like when I announced that I think I want to take photos. And then I started looking into schools, into photography and stuff like that, uh, colleges and stuff. And I didn't get into the school that I was trying to go to. I think it's called, the, it was in LA actually, crazy. Um, it was some photography school. I forget the name of it. Uh, I didn't get in and I ended up going to school in St. Louis and uh, I took up photo one and learned like film photography, uh, black and white and, you know, being in a dark room and stuff like that. So that's when I like picked up a camera for real, for real um, was in college because I used to be a part of this program. I mean, not program, but this um, this media company called Made Monarchs is me and three other friends and we like would throw parties and we would um, bring in hip hop artists and stuff like that and take photos of the events and things. And I was the one who was like really at one point I was just a person that was inviting folks um, to the parties. We were all promoted, but I was the one that like in your face guerrilla marketing guy. And then I was like, dang, uh, my friend Skip, that's a part of it. He had the camera and he was recording these moments. I was like, let me try it out, I guess, you know, and I was actually pretty good at it capturing these moments so i think one thing that you mentioned was you've always been an observer mm-hmm. in throughout your childhood like the way you described everything i i almost picture you being like having outer body experiences where you see yourself there right right and um that's so amazing because i see it in the way that you shoot as well mm-hmm. like it's it's kind of like you're documenting everything mm-hmm. and and that comes from that just like childhood experiences of you being around so many different things and so many different environments and so many different people and now you capture these beautiful daily moments, right? Mm-hmm. Like that you kind of just can't predict. They just happen. Right. Talk about your major. You majored in sociology, right? Mm-hmm. So how did that kind of in influence um, or even uh, provide some type of foundation for the work that you do in photography and also other mediums? Um, more so getting into, com- uh, getting into the community and also being able to interact with individuals. You know, sociology, you know, since the study of like uh, what's around you and, you know, the society and with that is you you have to communicate with people and talk to people and you learn based off of other people so that's pretty much how I got into that and really wanted to it was a for a while I didn't know what I wanted to do in school I just knew I wanted to do photography but then like it kind of made sense because then I took up like women's and gender studies and then I took up photo one and I just got a certificate in photography but I got my bachelor's in sociology and a certificate in women's and gender studies also so i would say sociology just plays like a huge part when it comes down to me being a social person and like talking to people and stuff like that and like getting to know people asking a lot of questions diving into a lot of like really deep conversation at what point did you feel comfortable or have a sense of your own like artistic direction Hmm. Is that something that happened early on or is that something that's just like constantly evolving? I never really asked anybody. Well, I, I I don't really ask for, let me see, like, do you like this? Do you like that? I do to certain people, but at the end of the day, I would still put it out. I have what, my, Why is that? Because it's mine. You know, like, even if you, if I take a picture of you and I saw something like this moment before that that person. And so somebody else come in and critique it, you know, and it's just like, well, you got a 
you got the car coming from behind and it's kind of throwing some light. I'm not taking a picture of the goddamn car. I mean, I'm not, it's the, the photo is about this, the subject, you know what I'm saying? That's just background noise. And so, you know, like that's, that's why when it comes down to like, if you're talking to like a scholar or something like that, like I remember, I think it was light work, not light work. Mm, I forget. I really want to know the name so I can say it so they can probably hear it. But it was some um, photo, I think it's a photo society or something like that. I don't know. I submitted like my Ferguson photos and then um, they gave me like critique or something like that back. And like they was like pinpointing like the silliest stuff. And I'm like, I was shooting a damn protest. You think I was setting these shots up? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it was um, it was a good experience to hear that type of stuff from people to see what they actually trip off of. I guess people like in the the mass world media of photography and things like that. But yeah. other than that, like I just um, with my own like creative eye, it was just more so like things around me and I want to capture it in a way I feel like others can't. And I'm also really quick with turnaround, too, because it's so easy to forget a memory or forget something that's going on, especially in the society we live in now, where we have so many different social platforms and stuff like that. So, like, I want people to see the outcome of something that they didn't get the experience before that memory is lost. So, like, recently with Josh Kissy's talk with Airbnb, I stayed up all night just to turn those photos around. The next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, because they wanted, they was like, can you give them to us by Friday? I'm like, I mean, I can give them to you sooner. And like my process of editing, you know, it's, it's um, I can describe it as just basically staying up all night and making sure the stuff looks good. I don't do like a lot of like Photoshopping and stuff like that. I still want the people to still look like themselves and all that. So I don't do too much of anything. It's more so like, I feel like the shot in itself would, um, speak for everything you know and then like my editing style is pretty it's pretty cohesive it goes if you see a sheet of photos or something like that you can pinpoint three of them that are mine um so i just trusting my vision with it and stuff like that and, and running with it and once you graduated from college in mm -hmm. st louis what were your next steps in life where'd you go I got a job at Pepsi. It was something that I just wanted. To, I needed to pay bills. It was a good opportunity for me at the time. Um, it was also easy because I had like a plug to get me in there. What were you doing? Um, I don't even know what. I don't even know. I was checking out trucks. It was terrible. It was really <laughs> boring, and just more so just counting pallets on the truck and then sending the truck on to their next route, and that was it. And were you were you occupying your time outside of work with outside of work? I was still doing main monarch stuff around that time, but outside of work, I was just you know hanging with friends, being out promote, uh, promoting parties and promoting events, shooting and traveling and stuff like that. Around that time, it was more like main monarch stuff. That's actually a great transition. Can you talk a, a little bit about um, your first international trip? And I don't I don't know if that was during that time or not, but also maybe talk a little bit more about travel in general. Yeah, my first. So let me see. International was uh, 2015. Was it Rio? That was Rio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was Rio. But I got my feet wet with traveling like for real, for real. When I landed the opportunity to shoot Stolly of formerly of Maybach Music. 
alongside with Lupe Fiasco on the Tetso and Youth Preview Tour. And we went to uh, 35 cities within 45 days. So in the tour, uh, we called it uh, on behalf of Stolly Side, 45 Days of Getting By. And it was based off one of his tracks, something like that. When was that? Uh, that was that was 2013. 2013 of October. So October 20-something through December 4th. Just Jay-Z's birthday is why I remember that. And, and then after that, went straight into freelancing, working like a ton, shooting a ton of things. I was shooting everything. Families, weddings, events, whatever paid the bills. You were just a true freelancer yeah, at that point. Yeah, at that point, because I didn't, I had to, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, um, at that time, I just needed to get by and just pay my bills and stuff like that. Um, and I learned a lot that year, you know, woke up one morning, went outside, my car was gone. Damn, you know, it was repo. I was like, you know, I didn't, I wasn't mad. I didn't cry. I was about to go work out. And then Morgan's like, I thought you were about to go work out. I said, my car gone. And I just laid down. <laughs> and just, we just went to, we just went back to, you know what I'm saying? Because around that time, it was just like, I think that, that moment, like, really hit me because it's like, dude, anything can happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can get something taken from you that doesn't mean sh- anyways. You know what I'm saying? It's just a car. So it's just like, for me, if I was to break down during that moment, I feel like I was defeated, would have been defeated. And it was like, around this time, you can't defeat me. You know what I'm saying? I don't have anything to really give anyways or to lose. The only thing if I was to lose around that time and it would hurt me and I would cry was that damn camera. What camera was it? Uh, 5D Mark II. Because I, yeah, it's the same camera I have now. But um, it's not the same exact one because I end up, my Mark, that Mark II ended up going out on me. And then I ended up getting another camera. But I love that camera so much because it has so much uh, value to it, like sentimental value to it that I needed to get it back. So I bought it another one and traded in the camera that I had. And that, plus I didn't like Fuji, uh, shooting with Fuji at that time, like the camera that I had. But it's one of those. It's like a preference thing. Um, talk a little bit about uh, Rio. You said that was your first international trip? Yeah, Rio was tight. I went with one of my best friends. Um, we looked up tickets. I was like, I want to go here for, I think it was my 26th birthday. Looked up tickets. The ticket, I still remember to this day, it was $777 round trip. Uh, flew out. I was living in Colorado Springs at the time. Um, I did not really care for Colorado Springs. So I was traveling a lot this year. But I had uh, went to Rio and it was it was just breathtaking. It was like one of those things. It was because I seen the movie City of God, so that motivated this trip a whole lot. Like yeah. that movie was in one of my still favorite movies. Of top all time. five, yeah. Top you know, five. yeah. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta see this. You know, so I want to see the City of God. I want to see the food. I want to see the culture, the art, all of that stuff. You know, everybody was like, when I got back, it was like, did you see the, the Snoop Dogg stairs? You know, <laughs> I didn't even trip off of that. Huh? Yeah, I didn't yeah. even trip off that 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 was in Rio. Yeah. Until I saw it, I'm like, "Oh dang!" You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, I swear it wasn't one of those like moments where I was like, "I have to go there." Yeah, you weren't looking for it, but I was you not looking came for it. it. Yeah, I came across that, yeah. and so like, um, yeah, it's one it, of the greatest music was, videos of was, all time. Right? It was just <laughs> sick. It was just a great trip. You know, ate some really authentic food. You yeah. know, like in uh, within the within the favelas and stuff like that. And that was like my most fun times when we were in the favelas. Yeah, and stuff. like seeing like actual culture, seeing the people. And, you know, being a part of it. 
So yeah, I remember that was my first um, kind of time being exposed to you actually on social media mm-hmm. because you went to to Rio and I was preparing to go to Brazil the following mm-hmm. couple months. And I was looking at your photos for inspiration. You went to City of God. Mm-hmm. You were like really exploring and connecting with people. And and I, I can kind of attest to it as well that like the most fun times were actually in the favelas with mm-hmm. the people who maybe they didn't have a lot, but they just had a lot of heart and a lot mm-hmm. of soul and were super welcoming. And um, I think just the contrast of seeing the skyscrapers right next to the favelas, you know, overseeing the city was pretty, pretty unreal and it also yeah. eye opening, you know. Yeah. Talk a little bit about um, Morgan and how she came into your life. Mm. Um, when so, was that? Yeah, we. I met Morgan at um, at a party. Well, it wasn't. That's when we first. Yeah, that was when we first like met. Like, or at this party called um, Teas or something like that. But she used to work at Urban Outfitters and stuff also. And uh, it's like pretty much then was like it for me and her. You know, it was just like kind of like dating around that time and just been cool ever since and that was like what 2012 2011 no that was like let me see she's gonna kill me i graduated (laughs) no i'm tripping i graduated in 2010 so that was like 2009 i graduated college from 2010 so it's like years almost 10 years yeah it's kind of strange yeah yeah and you just knew she was the one don't put me on the spot. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, it was like, I knew Morgan was the one for me as far as like straight up lifetime goals and everything else. When like, she always shared that she cared a lot about me. But then like when she helped me write out like my five year plan and stuff like that, I was like, this is kind of, this is really, really deep, deeper than I ever thought I would be close with ever in my life. You know, I didn't think that I would be with anybody. Um, for a long time period it's one of those things i didn't really think about but yeah that's like around that time yeah mm-hmm. um tell me about uh my lens R ferguson like what was that why yeah. did, why did you go and then also what mm-hmm. kind of what was that entire process like yeah. kind of what's the story yeah so born and raised in st louis ferguson is in st louis it's just a county in mm-hmm. st louis i used to get my hair cut over there i went to school over there got friends and family that live over there we eat over there so it's just like a neighborhood that i was a part of automatically um why did i go i was more so i never knew or heard of anything like this happening in my city um it was a lot going on at once the day it happened was on the day of a good friend's wedding that i was in i was leaving from the wedding and i heard about it on the news or on the radio i never listened to the radio um, and my lens, our Ferguson is a book that I made with the images that I took during the protests, uh, the following. So that happened in 2014. So 2015 of, uh, April, 2015 is when I published a book, self-published a book. I only made like, the goal was to only do 25 copies, but I ended up doing 50 because I didn't know how to stop, stop the sales or whatever. I was brand new at this. Before I even made a book, I didn't even think that I was going to make a book. I was just shooting these images and I was uploading the images to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and stuff like that. 
and uh, Visco. I was using Visco around the time. And then Visco saw that I was doing this. So this was before I had the Visco gig and I was shooting images with a friend, Marcus Stabenow. I was out there before Marcus and not say like that. Everybody was out there, but I was just out there. So it wasn't like, a, let's go out there and do some team effort stuff. It wasn't that, you know, I had my own agenda. He had his own agenda. And then Visco hit us up to like talk about it on um through their journal and stuff like this. So they interviewed us. So that was like, I didn't know that that was going to come about. I didn't know how striking my photos were. Um, They were real, just like how I take photos now. You know, so I'm in your face. I want to be with the people. I didn't have a badge on. I wasn't dressed in a polo shirt and khaki pants. I had like just my phone and my camera when the days I did have a camera shooting and stuff like that. And I was just out there like my regular um, clothing, you know, shorts and Air Force Ones or something like that. I was a part of the people. And that's pretty much how it came about. Yeah. And I think that the work speaks for itself. It's absolutely stunning and mm. puts things into perspective. Right on. Um, and you also kind of gained a lot of uh, notoriety for it, right? Yeah. So that book, man, I end up submitting this book to the Paris Photo Book Awards. I think it's one of the biggest photo book awards that you can win. And thousands of people from all over the world submit for this. And I was one of the many uh, out of, the, I think, 30 something was shortlisted. So once your book is shortlisted for the Paris Photo Book Award, you're pretty like it's you're up there. You know, what I'm saying you kind of like known a little bit. So I was getting I was getting hit up like I got a crazy email from somebody that worked at Nike. No, PayPal. It was like, congratulations. Um, on your book, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I really, really like to purchase one. And I'm like, how the hell you even know I did a book? <laughs> and I got another email from somebody from Nike. But this time, this person said, you know, congratulations on being shortlisted. So I didn't know I was shortlisted uh, yet. I didn't get an like, official email or maybe it went to my junk or something like that. I don't know. But I have found out when I went onto the site on um, Paris Photo Book Award site, and they was like, we're announcing this blah 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 and then they show uh like my title and all that type of stuff so yeah that was like definitely like a huge opportunity because you know, i went out to paris right um i didn't win the actual prize or whatever but you know i got some big names to buy my book um and it's also being sold on like this one of the biggest if not the biggest photo book websites there is it's called photo eye um P H O T O E Y E dot com. And that's where my book is like right now. Did that experience um, with, I mean, obviously it was unintended success, right? Mm -hmm. Like you were, you were going in just trying to document your city and tell the story of of the people of Ferguson. Mm -hmm. Um, But did that, did the success of that kind of like cue anything to you and just like tell you anything about like the way that you can tell a story or even the opportunity there is to tell stories in the way that you did? At Ferguson, that opportunity cued a lot for me. It's basically one of those things where it's just like you got to keep doing this, um, but not necessarily saying keep shooting uh, protests because I didn't. I didn't. Every time something happened, you didn't catch me out there. You know, uh, in no shade to nobody to or any photographers that do that, but there are photographers that that's their job. You know, that's not my job. I, like you said, was shooting the people that I know. Uh, not like I personally know, 
But the people that I'm, um, I'm a part of this community, so I'm shooting my community in the way that I know how to shoot my community or in a way that I want to shoot the community and show what actually was going on versus what the media was putting out there. So I was on the ground with them. I was marching with them. I was just with them during this time. I didn't do stuff at night, you know what I'm saying? Because that's when stuff really went down during the nighttime, like the really, really negative stuff. Uh, so yeah, it was just like one of those things where it's like, damn dude, you can really do something with this photo stuff. You know what I'm saying? If you really like put your all to it, if you really think about it, or if you just keep doing it the way you're doing it and approaching it, like the way I approach, I, I still can't describe or explain how I approach, how I approach photography. It's more so like, I just want to get it done and I want to take good pictures. And I want to leave people with some type of smile on their face. So I want them to see that moment and be like, damn, man, this picture is really good. Like, I, yeah. want, them to, I want them to know that I'm not taking this photo just for me. I'm taking it for the both of us. You know what I'm saying? So, what, yeah. Yeah, it makes total sense. What What were the next, um, I guess, projects that you ended After up working that, on? It was just getting hired and commissioned to do work for, like, museums. Um Shout out to the World Chess Hall of Fame in St. Louis. They picked me up twice to do some type some type of projects there. So I worked with them. Those are exhibitions? Mm-hmm. So yeah, the first one I did was called uh, Living Like Kings. And it was based on like hip-hop and chess. And uh, I did a project. Um, my project was called um, Street Beautification. And it was on graffiti within St. Louis and stuff like that. And graffiti is one of the elements of hip-hop. And hip-hop and chess coincide with one another. And then I did another exhibition recently, like where this past, this last year, that was this year, dang, um, called, um, what, what was it called? Dang, I'm, I'm like blanking out right now. Um, Black Rank. Yeah, so Black Rank. Um, that's another project I worked on with the World Chess Hall of Fame. It was basically, I shot images of friends here in Oakland and paired them with a piece on the chessboard and what it looks like to be like a family, a black family on the chessboard and picking out individuals who play these certain pieces and stuff like that. So I did that before I left St. Louis rewind before I left St. Louis and um after Ferguson I was hired to shoot images of um like some dope spots and monuments and stuff like that in St. Louis uh for signature flight support. I think it's it's a private airline in St. Louis. So that was like the biggest gig I've ever gotten. It was huge. I made a lot of money from that. I was like, damn boy, like this is crazy. Like you can actually get paid from this. So uh, I was commissioned to do something like that. Uh, I mean, commissioned to do that. And um, yeah, and that's pretty much like everything started picking up from there. Like people hitting me up to shoot gigs and stuff. Or like more so like, so now I'm like more project based, you know, my last gig shooting, my, I haven't shot an event in a long time, up until the one y'all just saw me at, the mm-hmm. Airbnb. And it was like, no way I'm turning that down for right. many reasons, you know. It's Airbnb, of course, it was Josh. Yeah. Um, It was just like one hell of an opportunity. And then, like, I have friends to work over there, too. So, like, yeah. Um, Tell me about the living room. Space 236 oh, exhibition. Yeah. That, that was an amazing, was hella tight. amazing mm-hmm. experience for all of us to go to and 
almost get like an inside look at what your life was like as a as a kid. Yeah. So I can't take a lot of credit for that. You know, Morgan helped me out a lot with that. You know, we both have this nostalgia for old stuff, old black ass stuff, <laughs> books, kitchenware, uh, magazines. That little piece right there. Posters. Yeah. I'm like, so we just have this thing for it. And also space, creating spaces, you know what I'm saying? Spaces of where you like familiar and stuff like that. And uh, the living room is that place, uh, the black living room. So we came up with this idea and, you know, I wanted to use photography, obviously, but I didn't want my photography to live the way that it normally lives, just on a wall. So that's why you saw the photos that I took living inside of a TV, you know what I'm saying? A 13 inch VHR, VHS TV combo. Uh, that's why you saw that. But then the imagery that you saw around were archived photos of my family, you right. know what I'm saying? That were hanging up. So my mama's side and my daddy's side. And then like a lot of things that you saw in the room were just found, you know what I'm saying? Like things that we found that makes up of a black living room and like bringing it into uh, actual gallery space and it worked out like perfect that was yeah. like probably the best project i've ever done i haven't topped that yet i yeah. don't think there's no way i haven't until i do it again yeah. in a bigger venue or a bigger like you know like take it on the road yeah something like that shout yeah. out to barry lie does yeah, man, have for man, dude, i miss that dude yeah hey i haven't seen him boy the baby i haven't met the baby he's he, man his baby's cute yeah no. shout out to hudson <laughs> that's the name um, hudson? hudson yeah oh, that's amazing um, so let's transition a little bit. Talk about, uh, black women over, over breathing. Yeah. So black women over breathing, that's the newest thing that I have going on right now. Um, man, I guess you can just go rewind back to everything I said about my mom. That's pretty much how I feel about black women as a whole. And she plays a huge role in that. And this was more so just to embody and put black women in the forefront, you know, um, short answer. Um, and also, you know, you see people rocking the shirts, the, the tote bags, the merch and all that, you know, that's just part of like one of the many things that I want to do with it right now. It was like, okay, I want to, okay. I don't want to just sell shirts or push shirts out there. Like, what else can I do? Um, I want to curate shows for black women artists. That's what I want to do. I want to put them in the forefront and I want to help some type of way to get their art out there through my, um, like the people that I know, the crowd that I know are, you know, I just want, I you just want to help the access wanna, you have. Yeah. It's just, you know, why not? You know, but I wanted to be black women, you know what I'm saying? Black, they deserve way more, way more because they are still to this day, not recognized for a lot of things. If I understand correctly, mm -hmm. it didn't start. I mean, you didn't. I don't know if you envisioned it as being a huge concept initially, right? No. It just started as yeah, your like, own T-shirt. That's the same. Yeah, just started off with a T-shirt. I I did not know it was gonna pick up like how it picked up. Like it picked up, and that heavy. It was heavy, yeah. But that's the goal. Yeah. Like, why not make that the goal? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I that's why I say I need to really start thinking bigger 
when I'm doing stuff instead of like thinking so small, like and more so like it's not the intentions of. Of course, I want to get this shit out there. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's important. But I think what's amazing about it is throughout all of the work that you've done, that's been super successful. Mm-hmm. You did it for you, mm-hmm. and it just so happened that it was amazing as well, and people wanted to see more of it. Yeah, right. So yeah, even my lens, our Ferguson, right? Um, Black women over, over breathing. Even the even the what we talked about earlier, the living room. Like mm-hmm. people wanted you to take that on the road mm-hmm. and take it to their city, right? You know? Because initially. I wasn't. I was only gonna do shirts one time for Black History Month, and then once they sold out or I stopped making them, this woman hit me up and she was like, "How can I get a shirt?" I said, "I'm sorry, but um, we're not. I'm not selling anymore." She's like, "What you mean?" I was like, "It was only like a one time thing, you know, just just trying to get it out there." And then she just kind of went off on me about that, mm-hmm. and I respect. At one point, I was like, "Damn, I mean, it's my idea," but at the same time, I didn't know the effects it had on a woman right. or Dan, or a man or anyone, you know, I didn't know. And so like, I was like, okay, I guess this is that important. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And that's a, that's a good thing. It's a good reason to have it out there. So, and you yeah. talked about um, now trying to set up, you know, events, art events, whatever mm-hmm. exhibitions specifically for black women. Mm-hmm. You're doing that on some scale. You're doing talks, right? Yeah. Um, so I had the first black women over breathing exhibition in my hometown, St. Louis. Um, that happened. It was really good. Um, then I ended up doing another one this year, like unexpectedly not knowing that things are going to happen that fast. And so, yeah, two shows, two exhibitions. Uh, each one, I think, had over nine women in it. Um, Black Women Over Breathing Oakland is still going on. And then alongside with those exhibitions, we have artist talks with each uh, Black woman artist to get, tell the world, tell the people about their work. You know what I'm saying? Letting right. them ask questions and stuff like that, putting them up there. Um a lot of people probably haven't seen the show, but they wanted to see their favorite artist talk. So they come and see their favorite artist talk and then they sell, I mean, they um, see their favorite artist talk and then they show them the work. And another thing is out here, uh, the St. Louis show, a woman sold some work, two women sold work in this one in Oakland. So that's like hella tight. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like people are actually buying your art. And this is something that I and a friend, my friend, shout out to Danny McCoy, who is, uh, we curate it together. And it's just like, damn, women are selling art. That's tight. Yeah. That's nobody really buys art. You know what I'm saying? Like, and the fact that it's, that's what it's about. They, not only they, they make this out of like so many emotions, but they also got to live too. Yeah. And they are putting it up for sale. If it is for sale and somebody's buying it and that's tight to be a part of. It's like, dang dude, I curated a show. And my co, my partner, we're part of this and people are taking a lot away from it and buying art from it is huge. That's like really, that's a major right. to brag on. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause it's galleries out here that can't sell artwork worth a lick. Even right. if it is a cheap price or somebody, it's still not moving. Yeah. So that's pretty tight. You know what I'm saying? Pretty cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and you talked a little bit, um, about, uh, you know, wanting to, to do more, involving black women over breathing mm-hmm. um where do you see it going like in the bigger picture have you mm-hmm. i mean i know you've looked into it a little bit yeah. but just more exhibitions yeah um more events and stuff more like product. that more products of course uh it would be tight to have like a center or something like that for like black women like artists and grouping them with you know kids with little upcoming black women like little girls and stuff like that 
with art and the art world. It's so many things that I want to do, Yeah, you know, with it. It's just like, it's only kind of like me and my partner and my wife, you know what I'm saying, at the same time. But it's other people that's throwing out ideas. It's like women here that want to do talks and stuff like that. It's just timing. Yeah, It's all going to get done. So, you, yeah. And you think about, about legacy as well. Now you have... Um, a black woman that's yeah. about to be born, a black, a black little girl who's about to be born, that this, right. this can be entirely... It could be hers. You can hers, have it. yeah. It is hers. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, let's th- let's think forward a little bit. Um, what... I'm going to just ask you straight up, I guess. What What's kind of your, like, five-year plan for yourself? Mm. I'm not trying to be Morgan right mm. now. No, you good. I'm raising <laughs> my daughter. Yeah. Uh, that's the only thing I can think about right now. Yeah. And being better at photography, shooting more film, traveling more. Yeah. Uh, hopefully... I don't know. You, you mentioned a little bit about uh, childhood development. I mean, uh, child, yeah, I mean, I want to get more into like talking to kids and stuff like that. Of course, you know, helping out. Me and my friend Ron Gubix, we go. Uh, the goal is it would be tight for us to like go around to different schools and let's like facilitate kids and stuff like that and into arts, mm-hmm. like with poetry, writing, photography, and all that type of stuff. But definitely doing more community work. Right. It's in a picture of like a five year plan. If I had it my way, I would move uh, live in Paris. Yeah. You, you love that city? I like it a lot. Yeah, it's really, really tight. Um I can see myself there. But it's a lot of other places that I haven't traveled to. Right. So I just really don't want to sit up and say I would settle with that, but that's where I definitely want to live or end up being at. I'll uh, I'll see you there. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you need a roommate. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I think, I mean, I feel pretty good about, you know, capturing your story. And I think we did a, you did a great job of, of sharing, um, your perspective on art, your perspective on yourself and your own growth. Um, when you look at your own personality, what are some attributes that make you successful? Hmm. Let's see. I care a lot for people. Um, I want to see other people win. So I, Looking, I see a lot within a lot uh, within people, and I just want to kind of help them get there. Uh, so more so, very encouraging. Um, what else? Um, consistency, like being consistent and being like on time. It's also like a, I think play a factor. Um, what else? Um, being present, you know, just being there. Even if so, if you got a problem, and you want to just talk about it. I'm here to listen. So just being present. That's great. Um, and I guess to close off this conversation, um, what's what's who is Adrian Octavius Walker? Like, what's the message that you want to spread into this world? And and you know, when you're when you're gone in a hundred years, what do you want to be remembered for? What do you, what do you hope to give to the world? Hmm. Um, what I hope to give to the world, uh, of course, the good imagery, memories, moments, you know, unforgivable moments and stuff like this. So I hope that lives on for a long time. I don't know what the hell is going to happen with this technology stuff. So it's like, I'm still printing, still want to put stuff on paper because that's important. I feel like the only way to get rid of that is if it burns or you just lose it. Um, so I want to be known for that stuff, obviously. And also just known as Man, anything can happen, dude. The sky is crazy. It's the limit. It's like I did not expect to be here now, living here in Oakland. It's crazy. It's this old photograph of me when I was like probably like three or four, three, I don't know, five or something like that. And I had an Oakland A's outfit on. 
Wow. So that's like crazy as hell. You know what I'm saying? To sit back and look at that and be like, damn, I'm in Oakland. You know what I'm saying? Like, did she know this was going to happen? You know? So it's just like, not necessarily like, man, dude, like you can't take life for granted at all. And just seeing like, I seen a lot of stuff. And so to get through what I got through or to get to be here, it's just like anybody can do it. You know, like just, and I know that's super damn cliche, but I, I can't stress it. You know what I'm saying? I'm seeing like heroes, Jay-Z, so this dude's so work, you know, yeah. and he, he out here, you know yeah. what I'm saying? He's like one of the most, like, he's like one of the like most well-respected men on this planet, you know what I'm saying? So not letting anything stop you, your vision, your work ethic, you know what I'm saying? Looking in the past at stuff you've done, you know what I'm saying? And like knowing like you effed up, you know, but you can bounce back from a lot, you know. Um, but at the same time, don't put yourself in situations where you can't bounce back from, like ever. Don't even if you don't have friends around you that's checking you, you don't need to be their friends. They're not your friend, you know what I'm saying? So more so, also um, giving that advice out there. If you don't have no friend that'll call you out, you gotta. It's a wrap, you know. Yeah. Especially if you know you're doing it, and you don't have the ones that's around you that's holding you down. Um, get gotta go or whatever somebody gotta check yourself and also um if you ever need psychological help or like mental health and you're going through these type of things it's like seeing somebody man you know what i'm saying i'm definitely looking for a therapist or whatever like i want to talk to somebody because we all have to do that and that's the thing where people are embarrassed on so yeah. i don't know if i even answered your question you did but like it's just like all these things that i'm thinking about now that i know i want to do to continue living a healthy life uh continue to being able to contribute to other people's lives and stuff like that as well even your life you know what i'm saying meeting y'all was just like who the hell are these three fly ass dudes <laughs> wearing black smelling good all the time looking good <laughs> taking these dope ass pictures like who are these dudes you know what i'm saying like and so like being Putting in these places, you know what I'm saying? Meeting Junebug, meeting Emeka, meeting Pfizer, meeting Morgan, meeting Holly, Ashley, Jenna, all these people, Selena, Kiara, like all these people that are like meeting all these individuals in these different places. And then if I move from here and go to Chicago, meeting Jerry, meeting Brandy, meeting Tim, and all like just different folks and just accumulating these relationships and snowballing that shit. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's what I'm about. Because when I get to Chicago, they're going to know about y'all. You know what I'm saying? And y'all probably know Chicago. Yeah, because y'all tight. <laughs> but like, you know, just like telling people like I'm, I'm, I can brag about this. I'm hella good at telling other people about other people mm-hmm. because I want them to know. It's like, I really, I follow a lot of talented folks, man. And then I'm never going to not follow nobody tight. You know what I'm saying? Like your work is... If I have access to follow what you're doing, I'm I'm going to do it. You know what I'm saying? People get real iffy with that follow button. They be like, I got, <laughs> I got five, 555 and I got 5,500 likes. I mean, followers. I ain't going to hit that like. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's yeah. dumb. You sound yeah. crazy as hell right now. Yeah. <laughs> you sound crazy. Like, I want to follow. I want to know. So it's just like, I want to keep. Like accumulating these relationships, uh, these friendships and building these bridges with other people. You know what I'm saying? I want to do that. My, I want to hype you up and I want to hype myself up too. 
And that's that's pretty much what I want to do. Like that's that's what I want to do. And I want to be <laughs> the first hype man to hype other people and it just keep going and be known to be that dude who's hyping somebody up. I love it. <laughs> and you do that. You already do that. Yeah. So um I mean the feeling's mutual. Like we we respect your work and obviously super blessed and, and humble to have you around and have right. access to you because you taught us a lot about hustle. You taught us a lot about vision. You taught us a lot about even documenting and mm-hmm. photography. Um yeah. we, we definitely um study you and, mm-hmm. and, and value your friendship a lot. And so um wanted to thank you for coming on the show, man. We um, couldn't be more uh, blessed to have you as episode one. Right. Yeah, this is insane. Um, yeah, yeah. I think these are. I think these talks are very necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, Seth Milton and I, and and our friends, which includes you and Junebug and everybody. Yeah. Um. We we have these conversations a lot, and we shout out to B. Shout out to B. Beatrice, man. Yeah. Man, <laughs> she's amazing. She don't even know how cold she is. Man. <laughs> she's amazing. Love everything she do. You yeah, know. but I mean, but that's exactly what I'm saying is oh, we everyone that that's that we surround ourselves with we're super appreciative of because mm-hmm. we see so much talent in them and so much opportunity for us to learn. Mm-hmm. Um and I think these conversations are so necessary and they're also necessary to be recorded and documented because right. that's that gives us the opportunity to to look back on them and say, "Oh, well what did Adrian say about this and mm-hmm. that?" you know, and and kind of just give us our own um archive, our own library to to access um so yeah i wanted to thank you man and um and look forward to um your baby girl coming very right soon mm-hmm. i'm gonna be your uncle so i'm super excited <laughs> y'all about be uncles. That. we're all gonna be uncles um but yeah man built to nine cooking ass <laughs> he can't cook though nah we'll be around though all we'll right. be around though but bless up thank you all very right much on, bro. Fica aqui comigo, não vai sair